Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Hello, and welcome back to my conversations with Michelle Woodward. She is my guest co host, and she's also an executive coach, and she's joining me. This is number three of eight uh, shows that we're going to do together. And today we're going to talk about values as your guiding light in your career. Michelle, thanks for being here today. It's my absolute and utter pleasure. So I want to talk first about values because I don't know if you find it in the in your work with your clients, but a lot of times when I start talking about values, um, my clients aren't quite sure what their values are, or they you know they don't really have words that they wrap they can wrap around. Do you find that same experience with your clients? Yeah, and it's really interesting that we're talking about this today because yesterday I facilitated a team of five. Um, it's grown from a team of four to a team of three to a team of five, so two new people, and they had to let somebody go. And so what my my mission was was to um, help them get to know each other and create some really positive uh, communication, but also create some agreement around what they needed to do when they needed to have difficult or critical conversations. So it was a really interesting thing. And there was a young man there, I would say young man, younger than 30, who kept, did not say anything for the first two and a half hours of the, uh, of the offsite meeting. And when he spoke, he, his face got flushed and he got very passionate about what you know, what he was talking about. And we had been talking about values. And I said to him, I'm just going to stop right here. You just expressed a very key value for yourself. Were you aware of that? And he looked at me like, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, and I said, you just said how important it is for you to have, I use the word mind share, for you to be able to talk through what you want to get accomplished and have the collaboration and input from others. I said, the passion with which you spoke about that shows me that this is a really key value to you. And he looked at me like, like multiple emotions across his face all at once. And the one was like, yeah, duh. And then the other one was very much like, I'm sorry about my dog. The other one was very much like, that's exactly right. And I hadn't thought of it that way. What I find is that people sometimes don't know their values, and that's why it's so helpful to work with a coach or somebody who's kind of conscious of this to point out and say, Eureka, that's your value. Mm -hmm. And because I think, you know, the word values is thrown around so much, people don't even really know what it is. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? Oh, I see that all the time. I mean, I feel like a lot of times my clients are like a deer in headlight when I bring this up. You know, what are your values? Or, um, and I talk a lot about how I use my values to guide me in my life, whether it's as a parent um, or in my business or as a leader. 
So I'm, I'm constantly going to my values. And so they start to really struggle. And sometimes that can be a shame trigger for them. Like, oh, well, I should know this, right? I have these degrees from these, these institutions and, or I have this job title. I should know this instead of realizing that maybe they haven't really worked on cultivating that and developing, you know, getting a really good sense of their own self-awareness of what's really important. Um, so it's, and then when we start to look at, okay, what are your values and, how does this give you, uh, I just recently had a client, he was um, kind of beating himself up and judging himself because he didn't finish out on this high achievement of his and um, of finishing out a PhD. And then when we went through his values, it became very apparent that his values were in conflict with the orthodoxy of his university and the program. And um, so it wasn't that he wasn't disciplined. It was there was a conflict there. And, you know, he made a different choice in his career, which has worked out very well for him instead of having it hang on him for the last 15 or 18 years. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I think the thing is a value, something that you value, something that's that's so important to you that it's it's sort of integral to who you are as a person Mm -hmm. is never something that you should do. You know, um, getting a PhD, if it's not in alignment with your values, becomes a should. It becomes something that's an external imposition on you. You know, I have a huge value. You've known me for a while, but I have a huge value around learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I will. I will. I went to a training class this morning uh, because I there was a subject that I was really keen to learn more about, and this was a two hour you know, kind of intensified training program. And I, w- I went, it was pouring rain, but I decided to go because I know that this value I have around learning is so integral to who I am as a person. If I don't learn, I'm actually not fully expressed. Um, so people ask me all the time, Michelle, how can you read so many books? It's because I don't think I'm, I'm not being a slacker when I read. I'm not being uh, loafing when I read. I'm being a learner when I read, even if I'm reading fiction, because it's helping me with language, right? Mm-hmm. But And so when I have an uh, extra 20 minutes, I crack open a book. And because I'm serving my value, I don't feel like, oh, my gosh, I really should be getting those dust bunnies under the couch. That's not really a huge value. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I can pay someone to do that for me. I don't need to do it. Well, and I think it helps us give us permission, right? Where it's, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes I'll, I'll go through my day and I'll notice because learning is a huge value of mine. And I'll notice that there hasn't been that much learning. And I'll, I'll, I'll see us, you know, at some time in my schedule and I'll say, Oh, I can go read this right now, right? I have mounds of books in my office, office, obviously. And I can go read this instead of the old me would say, oh, well, I can't get the reading until 10 o'clock at night after I've done X, Y, and Z, right? But when I know it's my value and learning is important in my way of being in the world, then I can give permission for when I have space on my day. Um, And it can be during my work day instead of thinking it has to be outside of that time. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's really important to kind of say, well, what, what do values in action really look like? And when I first became aware, because, you know, a lot of my teaching and my coaching is really around this values, strengths, values, and priorities. 
Uh, but when I first kind of got hip to this whole concept of understanding your values and then putting them into play, it was probably eight or nine years ago. And as you know, I have right now an 18-year-old and a 21-year-old. So my kids were little. And when I kind of did an assessment to look at what my values were, one of my key values was to be a good enough parent, but to really prioritize my parenting and, and really honor that value. Now, how, so how does that come into play? You know, I had opportunities to go speak in California. I live in, on the East Coast. And I would ask myself the question, does, does doing this allow me to be the kind of parent I want to be? Can I serve my value about being a good enough parent if I take this opportunity? And there were times when I said, yes, you know, I can do this and be a good enough parent because of the situation. But there were plenty of times when I said, no, you know what? I cannot be gone for seven days and be the kind of parent I want to be. So I did say no to things um, where people were sometimes, you know, people are so helpful. But people would be like, I can't believe you said no to blah, 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 because, you know, it'd be so great for your business. But it wouldn't be great for my, my heart, for my values. And you can't dodge behind your values. In other words, not get big because, well, I can't do that. I'm somebody's parent. That doesn't work either. It's that real knowing that when I'm in, align with, in alignment with my value around being a good enough parent, being a present and connected parent, um, I'm going to make the choices that allow me to do that. I, like, I haven't, as you know, I, don't, I haven't traveled. I, I didn't travel a ton when my children were small. I was very selective. I also didn't um, keep really late hours. I also didn't take clients between 4 and 7 o'clock in the evening because that's dinner homework time. You know, I made these choices, but I was absolutely at peace with them because I knew I was consciously serving that value. Well, and when you're doing that, you're really grounded in your values. You're not in a place of comparison. You're not in a place of scarcity, right? Like, oh, if I, if I don't go to California, how is that going to affect my business? Right. Right. It's like, okay, well, I could go to California, but then how, what, or, and that's out of alignment with my values and my priorities. Or if I stay here, what are other ways I can cultivate my business? Exactly right. Right. And, and, you know, the, I, I could have asked myself if I go to California, could I stay with the Motokaitis family? Yes. I should, I should have asked that more often. <laughs> That's what I probably, right? Well, um, now that you're an empty nester, you can come and right. stay. That's right. But this values thing, I, I, I use, um, an assessment called the true values and there are several different instruments that allow people to kind of get to their values. And, um, it's usually something I do as people come into coaching, um, but I also know that um, by just listening to people, as I was saying before, you know, I can get a good sense of what somebody's values are. So I think once anybody kind of gets clear in their mind about what this is, they can help other people uncover their values. Yeah, it's, it's about self-awareness. Like I use, I've used the true values and I tend to use the VIA, right? The values in action assessment and um but the more that you can start just creating an awareness of what is important to you and then how do you live it, right? Because it's one thing like you can have the value of, oh, family is really important, but then we can be in conflict because we're not actually living aligned with that, 
right? We're not spending time with our kids or we're not, you know, we're scheduling stuff when our kids could be home, but being instead being really deliberate with the values that we have or in the workplace too. How do you create those pla- those values in your workplace? Well, you know, it's really interesting that I, a, a little bit of a digression is that there is often a difference, a male, female difference in values around family time. And of course, not all men and of course, not all women, right? They're always, it's not true for everybody all the time. But often I see in my male clients, they'll say, yeah, you know, uh, my family is really important to me. And that's why I work all the time. Um, because the value is not around being necessarily present with their family to show that they are um, taking care of them, but it's being out in the workplace, in the arena, so to speak, and bringing home um, the money. Mm-hmm. And so it is really interesting, as you were saying, you know, we can have this shared value, but then we also have to come to some sort of agreement of what does that look like for each of us? You know, if you're in a, if you're in a partnership and what does that look like? And, and can we agree what this looks like? Cause that's where I think a lot of couples get into conflict is they both say, yeah, family is so important to me, but they never ask. And so what does that mean to you? You know, that means I'm going to be on the road six days a week because I'm pulling in a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And to me, the million dollars a year is a sign that I'm doing something good for my family. And the other person says, no, it's being home for dinner every night at six and coaching the little league team. That's, that's an engaged parent. You could just see where that conflict would shake out. And really, you know, as listeners, you, as you're listening, it's not that there's one way's right or one way's wrong. It's what's the best fit for you. And then how do you communicate that with the people that are involved, right? So it's your partners, it's your spouses. At the workplace, you know, how are are your values aligned with the company that you work for, right? I right. know when I've been in a workplace before and I wasn't in alignment with the same value. It wasn't as, like, I realized I had to leave because my values weren't in alignment with the values of the organization. And there was right. a conflict. And at some point, the conflict became too great. Right. And that looks like, for instance, I recently bought a car and... <laughs> You know, if you work in a car dealership and the value is to see um, what unnecessary undercoating you can, how much unnecessary undercoating you can sell to customers and, and that's not the way, you don't even believe in the undercoating mm-hmm. and you can't stand behind it. You're more of like a, a consumer advocate in your salesmanship, which is actually a beautiful way to be a salesperson. Um, you're going to be in conflict. You know, if, if you're worked in an organization, which I've worked in an organization like this, where um, it's expected that everybody pads their expense account. Mm-hmm. And that really is a, is a conflict with your value around being authentic and in, and having integrity. It's just not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The values, you know, it's interesting because as I've been, you know, running the swim team, and building that culture for the last one year, 10 now, right? And uh, I ran a daring way training with our staff a few weeks ago, and we're going to do another one in a couple weeks. And running this organization and doing it from a place of values, right? And 
and looking at who are the people that I bring on this team. Do they have the same type of values? Are, you know, where are one of our things that's most fundamental is every, every monster matters, right? So we're not talking about, are you the fastest? Are you the nicest? But it's like everybody matters and everybody contributes in their own way. And so we have the range. Um, now, if your value is to win at all costs, being on our staff is probably not a good fit. And so it's so interesting because in the workplace to look at a, a group that I created, right, or that I've been bringing along for the last 10 years and just sit around this table with them and say, wow, I get to work with these people, you know, and look at their values. And we're not all the same. Like we will be doing a VIA at some point. And if they're listening, this is going to be their first that they hear of that. But um, we'll be doing a VIA because just so we can kind of see how our values line up. But we have some just foundational pieces, just like you were talking about with that gentleman of the things that they talk about, the things that they say, right? How they how their way of being when they're on the pool deck or, you know, interacting with the kids, I see their values. And so that core being of who they are and then how we come together and then makes or makes us a stronger team, if that makes sense. You know, years ago, I was the Girl Scout leader for a group of, of little girls. So we started not as the Daisy Scouts, but, you know, as brownies. And we were together for three years. And um, one of the first things I did with the girls was to ask them to sit down and, and make group, you know, group rules. What are the, what are the way we want to be as brownies, you know, and ultimately as Girl Scouts? How do we want to be in this together? And, it, you know, everybody, you know, everybody is everybody's friend was sort of in, a sh- in short what all the girls agreed to. So one day we were in a meeting and uh, we were everybody was sort of settling down and they were little. They were like first grade, second grade. And um, two of the girls, one of the girl, one girl made a movement to sit with two of the other girls and the uh, two girls that were already seated kind of turned their shoulders away and said, you can't sit with us. And I stopped the room. I took control of the room. And I, I said, do you remember we have this value in our group around everybody is everybody's friend? I actually just witnessed something right here that I think we need to talk about. And that, that's really a responsibility of a, of a leader of a team or anybody in a team, actually to be able to not only have these things sort of written in a file folder that's put away, but have them be, (laughs) you know, actual living things that you feel brave enough to say, Hey, this, this is out of integrity here. We agreed we were going to be in integrity Mm -hmm. and, and call people on it. And the the other thing that I see is that, you know, uh, we have a value around openness here at XYZ corporation. And the next thing you know, the, the CEO's got the door shut and nobody can knock on the door and come in. And, and there's information hoarding, mm-hmm. right? And so then, it's a, then you, even, you lose even more credibility as a leader because you're not walking the, the talk. Have you seen that a lot? Oh, I see that a lot quite often. I was on a strategic task force and, you know, we'd spent quite a number of months and lots of hours together. And my concern that I brought up as we were, you know, wrapping things up in the final days was here we had, you know, all this data and all this information, the way of being that we wanted to do, the values. And I was concerned that it was going to sit in a binder on somebody's bookshelf. How are we going to live it? How are we going to check into it? Um, 
And I, and I think that becomes really important. So when you have values, it's not like, oh, you take the true values or you take the via or you write down your list and now you've done your work. It's how do you check back and live it? How do you connect with it? And then thinking about what you just said is if there is a culture where there's supposed to be openness or that's what the leader wants, and then there's the disconnect, right? Because the door shut, it's really hard to get into the leader's office. Being able to have that co- courageous conversation where we can circle back and saying, okay, this is how I think I'm, I'm leading, right? Can you guys give me feedback on what do you see on your side? And those are hard conversations, wouldn't you say, from your experience? Oh my gosh, they really are. But again, if the, if the leader is, is fostering that kind of, of openness, um, and I wrote a blog po- post about this a couple months ago, you know, the kind of openness that anybody on the team can take the boss aside and say, excuse me, but you have spinach in your teeth. You know, it's a metaphor, but, you know, you may not be aware that this is coming across this way. You know, if, if I was leading an organization of any size, I would want the guy on the loading dock to be able to say, hey, Michelle, guess what? You may not know this, but these, you know, guys are walking out of here with steaks or, you know, or whatever the situation is you, you as a leader, you want to foster that kind of openness and, um, and accountability. Uh, I think it's, I think it's, it's crucial. It's just really crucial for, for success. And, you know, so for the listeners, like all this talk about values and people who don't live their values, let's turn it on its side. When you live your values, you know what happens? What happens is life gets a whole lot easier. Uh, Decisions get to be a whole lot more fun because I, I know what I'm, I'm looking at. It's like, uh, oh, should I fly to California? You know what? It's my kid's graduation from third grade. I'm going to actually honor my value and stay with my kid. Then I get to do the thing that I love to do, which is be with my kid on a peak moment, a third grade graduation. If things get easier and things get more fun because you're conscious of your values and you're serving them. And so it's not just like, us saying you should, it's like, this is something that's going to be, make a difference in your life, a a dramatic difference. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just totally on the soapbox about that one. No, I I think it's about deliberate living, right? And and really being clear about your, the life that you want to create. And I mean, just recently I had an interview request and, um, and I went and I looked at the dates and it was during, it was the day before Thanksgiving. Well, and on my calendar, I have that week blocked off. I'm going to spend it with family and that's really important. There's a few weeks that I just block off and to take time. And one is also to nourish myself. And I thought about that. And, you know, so on my schedule, there's obviously space and there's a part of me, there's that voice, well, you could make it work, right? And as I thought about it, I said, it's the day before Thanksgiving. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. I don't know who I may need to go pick up right? Or just to be able to have that space where we can just putter around in the house or run to the grocery store. How lovely is that? And I'm going to say no, right? And as I went to go back to reply in the no, I, I looked at the email and there was another date next month in mm. December. And I'm like, oh, and I looked at my calendar. That works out beautifully, right? So it's getting out of that like scarcity or that judgment and saying, what are my values? What's important to me? Where are my priorities? And like you said, it, it does make it so much easier to make a decision. With my clients, a lot of times I use the metaphor of going to the grocery store. 
You know, like there's, I don't know how many different types of milk at the grocery store. We know the brand that we buy. We know the, the type that we buy, right? So I don't even worry about all the other stuff. I don't worry about the sales of the other milks. I just know this is the gallon of milk that we purchase. I get it and I go. Now, the only time that it presents a conflict, if that gallon's not there, but rarely does that happen. And it makes it, it simplifies it. So instead of getting overwhelmed with 100,000 different food items as I walk in the grocery store, I know the places that I go within the store to get my stuff. And that's, I think, what you're talking about with values as it getting a lot easier. When you know your values and you live your values, it makes your life a whole lot easier. Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, that and it and it doesn't mean that you, you know, kind of are stuck in a rut. You know, to me, what it means is I know what works for me. I'm open to learning, right? Because I got learning as a value personally, Mm -hmm. but I'm open to um, to to learning something new. But basically, I know that this is what's going to make me happy. I have seen a lot of um, clients over the years have this really big value around, I'm going to use several words, kind of get it, uh, belonging, being connected, um, being with, you know, a lot of, a a lot of um, humans Mm -hmm. really have this kind of deep value around, uh, being in collaboration with others, which is fantastic. But it's interesting to see also how that, um, plays out sometimes, and sometimes it plays out that I'm so driven towards collaboration that I actually never form my own opinion. Mm. And, and, you know, and that to me is, is sort of a sad thing is that I value collaboration so much that I sometimes don't speak up. And so I, whenever somebody, you know, really has this strong, strong thing about collaboration, I always want to probe a little bit deeper and refine it to say, when I am at my absolute 100% best, I'm collaborating with smart people full of integrity who've got my back, but who see me as who I am, something like that, so that you're not sort of at the whim of somebody who might not actually have your best interest at heart. Now, I'm going to throw that out there. Have you ever experienced this or seen this or could you see this happening? No, I I definitely could. I think that's your strengths and overdrive, right? Your values and overdrive of Oh, I really want that collaboration. So forgetting that there's a in collaboration, there's you and the other people, right? It's this coming together of a team um, instead of dimming your own light. Um, I, I can't think of any other specifics, um, but sh- how we can show up for ourselves and not let ourselves shrink because of our values or understanding like with connection, that's a word that I hear a lot of. I want connection. But are you connecting with the people who are the right people in your life versus, oh, well, this is a person that I'm going to connect with and our values may not be aligned or they may not treat me very well, but I'm going to connect because I want to connect for that state of being. Well, and here's the thing about connection, you know, it's that I can't expect from anybody else that which I don't already give myself. So if I'm not connected to myself, how in the world can I expect to ever be connected with another? So in a, so. Knowing myself fully, knowing my strengths, my values, my priorities, my goals, my temperament, then only and only then do can I fully connect with another person. And I can't, I can't, I can't expect connection if I'm disconnected. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm thinking about that one. 
Because I'm wondering if there's parts of us that can be very connected to ourselves. And then as, because I see just a huge hunger, Michelle, at least with my clients, about being connected, about finding that place of belonging, about, you know, whether it's being a parent or in the workplace, right, that good enough. And, um, and, and sometimes they can be very connected, but then what they do is they'll compare themselves to, you know, what they see in TV or what they think their neighbors are doing or their colleagues at work are doing instead of, well, is this the right fit for me? Right. They are, are, are these the people on my team and are they good enough for me instead of, oh, well, maybe I should be spending time with this person or with that person. It's kind of a lack based thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if I'm very clear. So I, um, I, I look at sometimes when people are connected with themselves, they can still struggle with connection because they're in that place. They're in that critics, you know, in the arena that they're in those critic seats where they're comparing and they're in a place of scarcity instead of saying, Hey, look, you know, I have this beautiful life and I have these people that I connect with dearly and they know me from this very authentic place. But maybe I'm not going to be, you know, that that big man on campus type of thing where I know a thousand people. But do you want to know a thousand people? Right. And to what capacity? Right. And I, um, I guess what my point would be is, is that when I am, when I am fully connected with myself, when I know myself really well and I, I kind of dig myself, not in a narcissistic overbearing way but in a sort of like you know what this is good I may find that the people that I thought I wanted to connect with are not actually my people uh-huh. um, you know that I'm I'm dying and desperate for to be seated at the table the lunch table with the cool uh-huh. kids and I don't actually like the cool kids yes but I, I kind of like those kind of you know sporty people over there or the arty people over there or the, you know, the computer geeks over there, but it's, it's, and then you're fully and truly committed. And I think connected. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like knowing who you are, right. Instead of thinking this is who you're supposed to be to fit in, right. Like that cool kid table. I think we can all resonate with that. And, um, my husband and I just wound up hiring, um, somebody for our taxes and we left and I said, you know, we totally felt comfortable with him and he, he was very nerdy. That was like the first thing. And it was so funny because as a teen or a 20 something, I totally wanted the cool kids things. Right. But I kind of like the nerdy people. I like the people who are smart. Not that I don't have friends on all ranges, but especially for my taxes, I wanted kind of the nerdy person and he was just the right fit. And I was very comfortable with that. It was a very easy decision to make. So. I think that could be a great title for a book or a movie, The Perfect Nerd. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? That would be really fun. That would be fun. So, Michelle, we have a question from a listener, and I want to make sure we address it before we run out of time. But um, So this is Steph from New York. That's all I'm going to say about her. But um, her question was, in the midst of a career transition, and she's grappling with her anger and frustration in her current role, um, she'd love to hear how to be present with her anger and frustration in her job while also making confident and exciting steps towards the work that she wants to do. What are your thoughts? Well, sometimes I think you just have to stop caring that much about your work, which I know is a a completely anarchist, anarchistic, whatever word it is. But to be, uh, sometimes we care so much and we internalize so much that things get really blown out of proportion. And so sometimes 
if you can just step back and care less. I mean, people I have observed, uh, people who, you know, are really perfectionists and driven, for instance, which are two words I will use, um, you know, they strive for A plus performance. But interestingly enough, if they throttled back to just A minus performance or, or B plus performance, they would still be delivering a lot of other people's A plus work, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's how can you calibrate it? How can you throttle it so that you're doing the right amount of work? And uh, so can I do I have time to tell a little yes. story? Yes. So very early in my coaching practice, I had this woman came to me who was miserable at her job, just freaking miserable to the point where she thought she probably needed to leave. And so I asked her, you know, if you could write your own job description, if you could create your own work, what would you do? And she said, well, I've always had this dream to own a, a clothing store. And I said, wow, is there a clothing store that you really like that you would model, um, you know, your business on? And she said, well, as a matter of fact, there is a store that I, that I go to pretty frequently that I love. And that's exactly the kind of store I would want to work in. And I said, or would want to own. And I said, well, you know, how could you test that, that idea that owning a clothing store would be the right thing? She said, well, maybe I could get a job at that store. And so she walked over there and got a job in the store. And like two nights a week after her executive level job, or not executive level, she was the director of a department. She would go to this store and then she'd work on, on uh, you know, on a Saturday so for nine months, she was really focused on this other job. And she kind of felt bad about her day job because almost every night she was leaving right, right at 5.30 or 6 o'clock to get to this store to do the other work. She was really focused on that, learning as much as she could. And the owner of the store came to her and said, look, I've been thinking of selling. Would you like to buy the store? My client was thrilled. Here's her dream coming true, Right. So they, they start the, the negotiations and the day before they're supposed to go to the attorney and sign all the papers, the store owner changed her mind. And so my client had to kind of go back into her day job with no side job and no prospects. And she was beside herself because it also turned out that that was the day of her performance review. And she got in going in her mind, you know, they're going to fire me. You know, I haven't been really present for the last nine months, you know, I'm, it's going to be horrible. She went into her boss and her boss looked at her and said, I don't know what you've been doing the last nine months, but please keep doing it because your work has never been better. <laughs> and the truth was because she cared less about her work, she got less involved in office drama. Mm -hmm. She got less involved in the gossip factor. She had less space to get kind of ticked off. It was a huge learning for me is that sometimes we need to do less to get more. Ooh, that doesn't mean that you have to do it as an angry person. You just do less and you get more. Yeah, that's really, that's a good story. That's a very good story because we we have this culture of do more, do more to prove your worth, right? Do more. We must do more. And that's a great example. And people can test that out. You know, I mean, I would answer stuff in the sense of, 
when you're grappling with your anger and your frustration, what are the things that may be missing in your life that you can fill up? So it could be an example of doing a side hustle or it could be, you know, like when I think I, I do check in and I start to notice like what are the buckets that are kind of empty that help me get grounded in my well-being? And like I use the example of learning. You know, so sometimes it's as simple as just pulling open a book. Maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's somewhere in between. Or sometimes I'll also notice um, it could be that I need to go connect, right? Go go spend some time with some friends and fill that up. And then it allows me to be able to move through this stuff because whether it's Michelle or myself or, you know, people who are in corporate America or if you're in academics, we all have stuff. We all have difficulties that we encounter and it's about how you move through them. And I find that when I can get grounded in that place of well-being, I can move through that. And so that can help me go through difficult situations. And um, that, if you want to make a career transition, Michelle, wouldn't you say, is that you want to get into that place so that you can find that next best option. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And the other thing that I would just point out to her or, or raise her consciousness about is, I, I did this webinar in August, uh, August 2014, uh, for the Harvard Business Review on how to deal with difficult people at work. And again, it's kind of this theme is emerging today, but it is this idea of, of if, how well do you know yourself? You know, if, if I'm angry at work, uh, because other people should be doing something different, I really need to check myself and ask, how do I know what they should be doing? <laughs> you know, really, I mean, and the thing I tried to point out in that other webinar was that um, if I know that I'm a sensitive person, if I know temperamentally I'm kind of a sensitive, I'm kind of maybe tend towards the emotional side, uh, and I really want people to get along. You know, if I have a real value, I want people to get along. I have a value around harmony. Mm-hmm. And I work in a high conflict organization where it's not necessarily negative. Like, for instance, I don't know, you are been in sports, but you know how like guys can play a pickup basketball game and call each other like the foulest mm-hmm. names. Mm-hmm. And 20 minutes later, they're drinking beers in a bar and they're having a great time. You know, if you're if you're a person who's who thinks they shouldn't be calling each other names like that at work. It could be that you're just really sensitive Mm -hmm. and it could be that you're trying to change an entire corporate culture on your own, which is nearly impossible. And so it's really great to see what is it that makes me so unhappy? What is it that I'm so angry about? Is that within my purview to be able to change? Now, some of us think, well, yes, I can change corporate culture single-handedly. Because I'm me, you know, and we do the power pose with our hands on our hips. But the truth is, you're probably not going to unless you're the boss. Mm-hmm. And so then how do I either come to terms with this is what my work situation is. This is it. I keep seeing it time after time uh, again. And it's, it's out of alignment with who I am and what I value. So at that point, you've got to find a new job because you're, you cannot, it's like the values question, you can't continue in a place where you feel so conflicted every day and you can't change it, you've got to move on. Yeah. And I think that's important. So knowing who you are, knowing what's important to you, what are your values? And if you're in a culture, right? And I was in that place. If you're in a culture that's different than your values, then looking, one of the things is looking for places that do line up with your values. 
you know, who are the people that you want to surround yourself with? Are they people like, are you comfortable with padding your expense account? Right. Or is that something that is out of integrity for you? So I think that part becomes really important. And, but making sure that you get into this place of well-being. So if that means, like Michelle said earlier, a side hustle, or if that means spending time with your family, you know, the, what are the things that help fill you up so that you can move on for your next phase? I think that becomes really important. So Steph, you know, I just invite you to test the stuff out, see what resonates with what Michelle and I talked about and drop us a line and let us know how it goes. Um, Michelle, before we finish out, I also want to talk about when, when people do leave, right? How can they leave well, leave something well, and leave also in line with their values? So there is a culture clash, right? You don't align with the values. Instead of saying, you guys are all, you know, blankety blank and walking out the door, what is, when you work with people, what is the best way that they leave? If I could change anything in the workplace, you know, in the broader workplace, I would change that, you know, workplaces are not families. In the best case, they're like having really good neighbors. You know, we should treat our coworkers as if they're really good neighbors, as opposed to like everybody is going to be my BFF, right? So it's when you're going to leave a situation, some, sometimes we have, we have so much righteous indignation. There's so many things we want to, you know, we want to spout out and say, you know, you guys are doing these 15 things wrong. And the, the thing is, again, you're, you're probably not going to change anything by leaving in a blaze of glory like that. It might feel good to your ego for about 20 seconds. But ultimately, those people are going to be people that give you a reference uh, in another job. They're going to be part of your network, which is increasingly vital in everybody's professional lives. So again, it would be like moving away from your neighborhood. How can you be kind, gracious, promise to stay in touch, thank them for everything they've done for you. You know, it's been great to be your neighbor for these three, five, how many ever years. Let's stay in touch and move on, hopefully optimistic about your next thing. You know, and just all that sort of wanting to vent and tell everybody where they're wrong, it doesn't really move the ball forward to the place where you can have positive, constructive, long-term good relationships with your network. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And then the other thing is that if you do go off on that tirade, how often, how well do you feel afterwards, right? When you really thought about it, I mean, was that really showing up authentically or was that just, you know, uh, blurting without a filter? And then later you feel regret and remorse because you realize, oh, wow, I just said this. You know, was that really my best self talking? Was that really constructive? Is that how I would want to be treated? And, and I think that part becomes really important. Um, when we leave is, you know, what's really, you know, it may feel good in that moment. It's kind of like, um, when I used to eat three bowls of ice cream, it felt great in some ways in that moment. But afterwards, the, the shame and the regret was tremendous. And, and I think when we have those blurts, it can be the same thing. So, you know, will you be proud of yourself of how you conducted yourself on the way out? That sounds like right. what you're saying. Right, exactly. All right, Michelle. Well, this has been great talking about values because I think, you know, you're very value driven. I've, I've definitely through the years learned about my values. And even when I didn't know that I was so value driven, 
um, it's interesting because sometimes my, I think my subconscious made choices for me um, that were so aligned with what was important to me before I can even wrap words around it. So for the listeners out there, if you don't know your values, right, there's no need to be upset with yourself. We mentioned a couple of tools out there, or you can just start to, you know, write a list of what's important to you and, and how do you live that and take, you know, and take inventory of that. So, um, there's always, you know, Michelle and I love to learn and we're always learning and we invite you to learn. Do you have anything to say in closing, Michelle? No, I think you summed it up extremely well. And I think you have a a value around brilliant communication because I just saw it right there. (laughs) Well, thank you. Oh, wait. Turn that. All right. One thing I forgot to mention when I still had Michelle with me was the links that she mentioned, the blog post and also the Harvard Business Review um, webinar that she mentioned will be on the interview page on the show notes. So go to season nine, episode three, and it's about values as your guiding light in your career. And there'll be links directly to that. So you don't have to go trying to find it. And if you're on iTunes, you can even scroll through iTunes, get the info about the show, click on the link and it can take you there on your iPhones. I just only know how to do iPhones. Um, But I want to go back to this values piece because it's so, so important. And again, if you don't know your values, if you feel like you're going, oh my gosh, you know, and you feel shame because I don't know this and I should, or see, here's another reason I'm not good enough, you know, stop that. Just stop that. You can go learn your values, write down a list, start thinking about what's important to you. Ask people that have earned the right to hear your story. Say, what do you think, right? What, what do you notice? Because just like Michelle had done with that client of hers, she said, oh my gosh, that was, I think that's a value of yours, right? And then if you ask other people, check in to still see, is it true? When I do the via work with my clients, they do the assessment and then we go through it to see, does this resonate? Does it ring true? What are other values that may not be on here that you really want to cultivate if they're not on here? So it's not this hard fact, you're either this or you're that. It's not black and white, right? How do you choose to live in the world? And and thinking about that, like I know where I have my areas of resistance. And when I was looking at my own value sheet before I came to tape this final segment, I was like, hmm, I think those are a couple of areas that I want to work on growing, right? And And thinking about that and what are the steps? And so as I go through living my day, living my life, living each moment, it's going to be, well, am I getting closer to living the life with the values that I want or am I creating separation from that, right? And I really like the values that I have, but what are some of the other ones that are really important that maybe I want to get stronger or maybe I want to use more, right? So values, I think, are so, so important. When you think about areas in your life where you want to show up in, the, in your world and be seen and live courageously, and maybe that's in your job, maybe that's in your marriage and really have an authentic marriage, or maybe that's um, as a parent, right? I always tell my parents that being a parent is one of the most courageous things you can do. It is so hard. But any place that you want to show up and really be seen in your life, you're going to use your values as your guiding light. And if you saw the image for this interview on my website, there was a picture of the lantern. And I asked my assistant to find that art artwork for this show because um, Brene Brown had told it to me and it was so beautifully said. She said, you know, if you think about a lantern, 
and the flame are is your value. So that that those are your values and it's standing there, right? And then you think about the glass around that. That could be the metaphor for the people. Who are the people that are protecting that flame from going out in case of wind, in case of storms? And I was like, oh my gosh, when she said that. So that's why she uses the lantern a lot for values, right? Who are the people that are protecting that? And are you willing to stand behind your own values and protect it, right? My values are really important to me. It doesn't mean I need to be dogmatic about it. And quite frankly, you don't have to agree with my values. They're, these are my personal values and this is they're my guiding light. They're what helps me have courage to be on the show every week to show up. It's definitely how to have courage to do these monologues. Um, that took me only about seven years, I think, um, seven and a half years. And uh, But my values are my guiding light. And then who are the people that are the, the glass that are the things that help protect my flame? Those are my support people. Those are the people on my team. And also, like if you think about it, if you're holding a lantern and there's wind coming, you'll use your own body probably to keep that flame going if there's a windstorm happening, right? Or if it's a windy day. So when you think about values, know them, see how you live them. Are you connected? Are you in alignment? Are you not? One of the things, one of my values is authenticity or integrity. And so that's one of the things that I've always noticed. I remember when I was at the college and I would be in meetings and and my favorite saying was, we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. I didn't realize that that was a conflict with my own personal integrity, right? And I like consistency. I like things to be consistent. And so I'm not saying that they were bad or I was right or any of that. But when you start to understand that there's that conflict with your values, it's not about who's the villain and who's the hero. It's about, are we the right fit fits? Like I always talk about the pieces of a puzzle. Do are do you have the right fit? Are you trying to make the the land match up with the clouds? So you are kind of have puzzles pieces that are from opposite ends. And sometimes that happens with values. So get to know your values, you know, and then use them as your guiding light because that's what you take when you go into these areas that you really, really want, right? The 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 things that you want to create, whether it's having that. You know, I've been saying this lately in in coaching sessions, um, courageous conversations, whether it's asking for what you want at work, maybe it's a raise, maybe it's promotion, maybe it's uh, more boundaries around personal time, you know, or maybe it's to be the lead on a project or having that courageous conversation with a spouse where you need support. You know, how do you walk into that? And your values are your guiding light. I will keep saying this over and over and over that is what allows me to show up in so many of our life, my life, so many arenas of my life. This radio show, working with clients, when I go give speaking engagements, working in leadership and organizational development. You know, it's not that I don't get scared, but I walk into that arena because the work becomes so important. You know, I show up on the show because my values, right? I have this value of learning, curiosity, authenticity, helping others courage. Those are the things that help me show up. And I can tell you, there are many days when I'm like, why? Oh, why am I doing this? I mean, this happened recently last summer when I was interviewing Nancy Duarte. The day before I was putting together the show and what was I going to email about and why was I talking? I mean, these are the thoughts that were going through my head. Why was I interviewing 
the masterful storyteller, Nancy Duarte. Who was I to do that? Right. And I, the response now that I've gotten from so many of you and watched how it spread and, you know, how people continue to listen to it, it's helped you guys. Like, who was I not to go and do that show? And she loved it. She really enjoyed it. Right. But I could have dimmed my light, but I had a commitment. I have a radio show. I care about you. And it gave me the courage to show up and to settle that voice down, that little shame gremlin who's saying, who the hell do you think you are? And to show up and have a conversation and connect with somebody and share this incredible story that's so empowering. I will also have that link to Nancy's interview on the interview page or the show notes. So knowing your values, right? Those are the things that help you when you go into these arenas. And our arenas for just so that you have this understanding of the metaphor, is these different places. It's parenting, relationships, friendships, work. Um, it can be in fitness. It can be in you know your own health and well-being. So it's anytime we walk into the space where we're being courageous, where we're being vulnerable, where we're trying to create what it is that we want. And the reason that you're here is because the show is about creating the life that you want. That's in line with your values, not a blueprint, not, oh, here's the six point bullet points, right? That you need to follow and then you'll get X because there's no such thing as transactional relationships. But what is it that works for you? And remember, like Michelle talked about when she was talking about the coming to California to speak that wasn't in line with her values and her priorities, right? And I, and I, the other thing I want to know, and I think I said it when we were talking was, She wasn't rooted in a place of scarcity. Scarcity sits in those seats in the arena. It's in the critics box. It's with shame and uh, comparison and there's scarcity. And this is all according to Brene Brown's work. Um, So they're up there, right? When we're rooted in scarcity, that takes away from our courage. And I want you to just check in. When you're in that scarcity moment, when you're rooted in scarcity, are you showing up or are you shrinking? Right? Are you saying, oh, well, I, I better not go do that. Or, you know, I need to go hustle for my worthiness. So I'm going to fly across country and I'm just, we're going to just pray that it all works out with my kids. And I'm not, I'm, I won't do this again. And then two weeks later, there's another opportunity in California. Or are you looking at where are my values? Where are my priorities? Where are my strengths? How can I cultivate more work here in my area, you know, with, with aligned with my values? And is it really necessary to go over there? Is that going to impact my family or my business? Because in the end, and I used to not believe this, but in the end, we do have choices. And some of us, you know, you could say, oh, well, it can be so easy. We all have choices and we all have different circumstances. And just like Michelle had said, you know, you know yourself best. And it's about getting to know, getting back to knowing yourself and listening to your own voice and not just the critics in your head or the critics in the stands up in the cheap seats who are more than willing to take cheap shots at you. So as we close out the show, I invite you to sit down for a few minutes and write down what are your values and how are you living your life that supports your values and where are the areas that you're not, right? And this is like a living document where you're going to go back to it and check in. And I do that with mine. I know love of learning is in my values, right? I mean, you guys probably know that too with 
all the guests that I have on, I do love to learn and I think it's wonderful. Um, and, but one of the, so check in, are you living with your values, right? Are there values, are there new strengths that you need to cultivate, right? What are the things that are really important to you? And what do you want to create in this next three years, five years of your life? And I, and I use that word cultivate really important because it's not transactional. It's not something that happens you know, oh, here are my values. So this is how it's all going to work out. It's not, you know, often my clients will say, I just wish. There was a period of time, and I don't know why this was said during this period of time. I kept having clients say, I wish you were just the fairy godmother. You know, and I'd say, there's no bippity boppity boop, right? It takes hard work. You go through the struggle. It makes sense. You feel like you got a grass, then you slide away. And that's the same thing with this. It's not going to be transformational. You don't just do your values and go, oh, okay, and walk off. How do you live it? So Take a few minutes after this show wraps up and get clear about your values or start working on it, right? My values are, are a constantly um, working list. I'm, I check in with it. Am I living aligned with it? And like today, I looked back at my list and I said, ooh, there's two values here that I think I want to work on cultivating some more, right? And not that I'm unhappy with a lot of my core values. I really, really appreciate them and they are my guiding light. They help me make decisions about my business, when I'm in leadership, about policies I set up, you know, about how I want to be in the world. So I invite you to do that in your life. Thanks for listening to How She Really Does It. I invite you to subscribe to my weekly newsletter at howshereallydoesit.com. I do this show each week for you so you can now see the windows of possibilities in your own life. I believe there are many journeys for us to take. We can learn from others to see what is possible for ourselves. I believe there are possibilities for all of us, not just the ones who've acquired great success, but including those of us who have stumbled, lost our way, or only saw closed doors. With this show, maybe you can now see a glimmer coming through the windows. I call that the windows of possibility. Each week, I bring a guest who represents those possibilities. They too have had their own struggles and uncertainty, yet somehow they have found their way. My guests are an example of what is possible when you continue, when you learn, leap, fall down, and get back up. I invite you into this space so you can ask yourself, If that is possible for them, what is possible for me? Really ask yourself that. I would love to connect with you. Please join me at www.howshereallydoesit.com. And thanks for listening today. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.